Nathan Wilson's new Southern Garden Show is on the air. Your host, Nathan Wilson, with Lanier Nursery and Gardens in Flowery Branch, Georgia, is excited about providing information every gardener and non-gardener, homeowner, and apartment dweller can use. From vegetables to containers and compost to pruning shears, Nathan Wilson's new Southern Garden Show is here for you. Now here's Nathan. Well, good morning, gang, and welcome to New Southern Garden. Of course, I'm your gardening pal, Nathan Wilson. And it seems like it's just been about seven days since we talked last. Feels like it, and I guess it has. Because, of course, you can find New Southern Garden here on WRWH 93.9 FM. Right here every Saturday morning, 10 o'clock. And, of course, I've mentioned before here recently that uh, if you miss the 10 o'clock program... That's all right, because you can tune back in to WRWH in the evening at 8 o'clock p.m. You can either listen to the show again or (laughs) sleep in late on Saturday morning and check in with New Southern Garden in the evening. There's really no better time to garden than now. Whenever you think of getting out in the garden or studying about gardening or talking about gardening... I say do it in the morning, do it in the evening, do it at midnight, whenever. Because there's always something to learn, always something new. There's always new plants being released year after year. There's always something uh, maybe old that can be made new again. And from time to time, we've talked about many plants that have sort of been forgotten. And I almost call them new because we've not used them in decades. And there's a plant that we're going to talk about today in particular that is very old. It's been cultivated for thousands of years. It's been used medicinally. It's been used as sort of potpourri through the centuries. And it's been used for its ornamental value, of course. Did I say cooking? Yeah, I didn't say that. It's been used in cooking too maybe you're starting to think through the list of plants that check off those boxes well today we're going to talk about lavender we're going to talk about lavender today uh, particularly because this is our Q&A week and we got a great question in from Carrie in North Georgia who's basically asking how to grow lavender here in the south And I'm glad she's asking that. It's pretty timely, too. Because uh, recently I've been making preparations and designing uh, a space in my landscape to grow sort of a small patch or field (laughs) of lavender, to have a lavender garden that sort of gives you that uh, French style and look. Rose of lavender. I hope I can do this right. And I have rows and rows of those beautiful purple flowers and uh, gray, ashy, blue-green foliage. Really attractive. 
Uh, so we will be getting into all of that today and answering your questions. It probably will mainly be answering Carrie's here about lavender because there's so much to know. Uh, before you start buying lavender to plant in the landscape, you really got to know some things about lavender. So if you've tried lavender and haven't had success, I hope that I can get you some ideas and information today that can help you be successful in the future. Um, if you've recently gotten to lavender, maybe this past spring or uh, whatnot, there's some things you need to think about for overwintering the lavender too. And uh, that's coming up. You know, winter is among us. I still love this time of year. Fall is my probably favorite. If I had to say what's my favorite, yeah, spring is exciting and there's all kinds of things happening. But here in the South, spring is short and we tend to go <laughs> straight to summer. Uh, as soon as May gets going, it gets hot quick. So, uh, but fall is great because it's cool. And of course, you and I have already discussed and talked before that um, fall is a great time to plant. Fall and all the way through winter here in the South is a great time to plant. So uh, be sure to be making those final preparations. You've got plenty of time to do some digging and, and putting things in the ground, putting things around your uh, planting spaces and beds. Uh, but enjoy the, the fall color. Uh, things have really been looking hot this past week. We've got several, uh, several hickory trees at the house. And of course, the hickory plants, plants in the hickory family. There's many different varieties or species, I should say. But of course, those, those girls, they've got this beautiful golden fall color. And uh, just coming into the studio this morning, I just driving by them, uh, getting out the driveway. They're really showing off. The same with beech trees. Unfortunately, I don't have many beech trees here uh, or, or, or at my uh, house, but um, the, the beech trees is wonderful. I grew up with a lot of beech trees in this old hardwood forest and just love them. They've got that great ashy sort of gray bark, smooth, not flaky, uh, not blocky, just smooth, smooth gray. And of course, when they're showing off uh, in the fall, those beech trees are just golden and it looks awesome uh, beside their gray bark. So be on the lookout for the change in the fall color. Of course, maples are turning. Maples are wonderful, pretty much Every maple has some kind of beautiful fall color from yellows to oranges to reds. Of course, you have our native uh, maples like the, well, of course, silver, but we don't love to use silver in the landscape. Uh, but then, of course, there's a red maple. And the red maple doesn't get its name because of red fall color, per se. There are many cultivars uh, that show a decent red fall color. Uh, fall color for red maples can vary from yellows to oranges and reds. Uh, the red maple really gets its name because of its flower. You may not have ever noticed that the maple, our red maples, flower. They are the first plant to really pop anything out of their li uh, limbs and branches. And the first thing that pops out in the spring are these very delicate, kind of drooping, there's not much to them, uh, but these flowers that open up are a wonderful red. And you know that spring is about to start when the red maples whether it's one that you've planted or some that are just growing wild natively, those maples are the, when they're flowering, that is the signal that spring is just around the corner. And if you've got a grouping of these red maples in bloom, you will have a nice uh, red display right there at the beginning of spring. So don't think that red maple gets its name because of its fall color. Its fall color is very, quite various. Most red maples are just a, a yellow or maybe to the orange, but really, 
really, it is those uh, red flowers in the spring that it gets its name. So be on the lookout. Be on the lookout for fall color. I don't know if it's peak yet or not. I don't really keep track of that. All I know is that I'm looking and watching and just seeing what Mother Nature is doing out there. Because, of course, many of the trees that we see in our forest have not been cultivated. They've not been planted by man. They've just been growing wild. And still, it's almost like a garden. You've got beautiful colors beside other beautiful colors. And it's a wonder to uh, just look out around at nature. So with all that being said, I should mention that um, if you have a question, we're going to be answering questions today here on New Southern Garden. But if you have a question uh, for our next Q&A week, which is uh, the last Saturday of every month, we like to grab all the questions that you've been sending us and answer as many as we've got time for. But you can check us out online at NewSouthernGarden.com, and you can check us out on Facebook and Instagram. Those are two great places to either send uh, photos and videos. And of course, if you tag us in them, we'll we'll see them. Uh, If you've got something in the landscape you just can't describe, maybe it's a problem, uh, or maybe you need some help identifying uh, some kind of plant or creature even, <laughs> then feel free to send those photographs uh, to, the, to us on Facebook and Instagram. And of course, that's just a great easy way and modern way, is it not? Modern way to, uh, to keep in touch with each other. Well, we've got a lot to talk about today because mainly we're going to be answering Carrie's question. She's here in North Georgia. She sent us this message via Facebook, and it's kind of lengthy, but just to summarize, she's tried lavender before. Uh, She's not been too successful, but she really wants lavender, and so she needs some tips, needs some ideas on how to make sure she's got some successful lavender, and I was so glad, like I mentioned earlier, that uh, Carrie's question came in this month because I've been making preparations just planning stages, not really uh, to the sort of design stage, but not necessarily to the planting stage. That will probably happen in within a year or so of growing my own lavender, a nice lavender patch or field, uh, just having that classic flower, purple flower, lavender color flower, and of course that bright, ashy, uh, blue-green foliage. There's really uh, n- nothing bad about lavender when you're looking at it. If the plant is happy and healthy, blooming well, they can really put on a good show. But, like Carrie has experienced, lavender in the South is a bit difficult. And we've got to really plan and prepare, which is why I'm still in those phases of planning and preparing, because we in the South can't necessarily just pick any lavender and plop it in the ground and expect it to grow. You see, lavender is one of these unique plants from this strange part of the world. <laughs> Most of our gardening plants here in the South, we have collected them either natively, they grow here naturally, uh, and we've hybridized and selected beautiful uh, varieties. But some other, most of the other plants we use are from similar climate, climatic climactic, the climate, (laughs) similar climate regions. And we find a lot of the plants in our gardens are from parts of Japan, parts of China and Asia that have a very similar climate to us, temperate climate, which means we have a real winter and we have a real summer. So we're not tropical. We're above tropical. 
We, we don't have a steady temperature throughout the year, just within a, a small range of temperatures. Our temperatures can go from freezing to scorching across a year. And so in these temperate climates, we tend to get a lot of moisture too because we're subtropical uh, to the degree that we get a lot of rain. As a matter of fact, in Georgia, historically, we get about 52 inches of rain a year, which is about an inch a week, which we never get just an inch a week. We get a flush of four inches one week, and then we're dry for six or seven more weeks. So we've definitely been in a dry period now. So uh, even though if you added up all the rainfall we get, it's averaging 50, 52 inches, which is a good bit of rain, which is partly why we can grow so many things in the South, particularly the temperate uh, type plants that don't mind winter, don't mind summer, and can handle uh, good amounts of moisture. With all that being said, lavender, like I said, is this great plant, strange plant, from a unique part of the world. And it's particularly a Mediterranean plant. So it comes from the Mediterranean area, of course, like Italy and France, uh, that strain of the world. And it comes from regions where there's very little rainfall, but it's very hot. So very hot, but little rain. And here in the South, we can get very hot, but we get a lot of rain. And that lot of rain part is a problem. The heat, the uh, scorching temperatures we get, lavender thrives in that. But it doesn't necessarily thrive in high humidity or high soil moisture conditions. So we've got to really keep that in mind. As a matter of fact, I've got some notes here. As a matter of fact, in Provence, I think that's how you say it, Provence, France, you know, for a southern boy, I would say uh, Provence, but Provence, France, I guess is how you say it. Uh, they get about 1.8 inches to 3 inches of rain per year. Up to 3 inches of rain per year. And of course, here in the south, I've already mentioned And our area where we're gardening and growing in the Piedmont, we might get 52 inches per year. So you see, for a plant that is coming from a very hot place that's relatively dry, just gets sprinkled on, essentially. Bringing it here to the south where it's hot, but it's quite humid, and many times our clay soils in particular hold on to a lot of water. You can already see that could become problematic. And it does. But there are ways to remedy it, to help a lavender plant grow in the southeast. We've got to think about soil preparation, and we've got to think about selecting appropriate cultivars or varieties. But we're going to get into all that today, so hang on tight to this break, and we'll be back with more about lavender plants. Hey gang, do you sometimes feel like you are riding a lonely trail while gardening, all alone with no one to join in the fun? Well, join the new Southern Garden community today and find peace of mind by sharing your experiences, whether they be poor ones or successful ones. New Southern Garden is on Facebook and Instagram, so I'd love for you to friend, follow, like, share whatever it is we're doing these days. Also, you can check out our website at newsoutherngarden.com. 
where you can not only find every episode of the show ever, but you can also send us a question via our Contact Us page. It's never fun gardening alone, so get social with the new Southern Garden family and let's grow well. Well, gang, this morning we are going to give Growing Lavender in the South a go. Of course, that was my Eden Rose button, and she's encouraging us all to give gardening a go. And in particular today, we're growing lavender. Now, if you're just joining us, you missed the fact that um, lavender is not the easiest plant to grow in the South. But we can cultivate our soil in such a way plant your lavender plants in such a way and maybe more importantly select varieties of lavender in such a way <laughs> that you can find some success and our question today here on our Q&A episode uh, ep- of Q&A week is from Carrie here in North Georgia she's struggled she's tried lavender it's not worked out so we really need to jump into the different things that are the important things that we have to consider when we're growing lavender. And of course, like I've already mentioned before the break, lavender comes from the Mediterranean area of the world, that part of the world that stays hot, uh, which stays hot here. But the Mediterranean area in which lavender derives, uh, it is also dry. So hot and dry, where here we're hot and wet generally we, we our soils stay moist we get a lot of rain compared to like i mentioned earlier the uh, provence france i hope i'm saying that right golly southern boys trying to say all these exotic names but in france that part of the world they may get up to three inches of rain per year we're here in the southeast our temperate subtropical areas we get up to 52 inches so that's a lot of rain for a plant that is used to being on the dry side our rain our wet soils can usually cause root rots if they're planted in a site that does stay wet Uh, moist is okay right moist is usually always okay but lavender tends to push to the dry side it would rather be dry than too wet So let's talk about soil because that is really the most critical thing uh, when you are planting lavender is we've got to talk about the kind of soil we want to plant our lavender in. So again, clay is not ideal, but we can work with it. Lavender actually probably prefers the soil that your other plants don't grow in, meaning the tough sites. If it's a dry soil, if it's a poor soil, poor soil would refer to the fact that uh, maybe doesn't hold on to much water, but also doesn't hold on to much nutrition either. Uh, They can handle rocky soil. They can handle sandy soil. And I sort of already alluded to this, but they don't mind soil that has low fertility, which would be basically a poor soil. Now, In the Mediterranean area, most of those plants like an alkaline soil. And remember, uh, the alkalinity of a soil or the acidity of a soil refers to the pH of the soil. And of course, the pH of the soil is on the scale from 1 to 14. Uh, When you're down at number 1, you are at a complete acidic situation. (laughs) 
When you are all the way over to 14 on the pH scale, you're at a complete alkaline situation. Or in agriculture or horticulture, we would say a sweet soil. So you have acidic soil all the way to sweet soil. Well, lavender can handle about a 6.5. That's about the lowest acidity you want to go. Some of our soils in the southeast, uh, particularly because they're clay, they just tend to be more acidic. We may be below that at 4.5, which is a really low acidity, even for us. Uh, But you may find your soils to be about a 5.5, and some cases we might be right there on the verge of a 6.5 situation. But the lavender really prefers pushing from 6.5, which is slightly acidic, all the way up to 8. That's the range for a pH of for lavender, 6.5 to 8. So it's not a bad idea before you start planting lavender to have your soils tested. And of course, taking a soil sample is very simple and easy. All you have to do is sort of randomly collect about 10 pockets of soil. Just use a trowel. You don't need much. Take about 10 random samples in your planting space Remove any grass or mulch or organic matter because when you send it to the soil lab, they really, all they want is the soil. So remove any organic matter or leaves or whatnot that may be there. Put all of those 10 samples that you've taken from about 4 inches down as deep as 8 inches depth. Uh, You don't really have to go too deep because most plants stay within that 8-inch band of soil anyways. But you'll mix those 10 samples in a plastic bucket, and that's critical because uh, metal buckets can actually change uh, the chemistry of your soil. So use a plastic bucket when you're doing this. Then you take about a cup of that soil that you've mixed well in the plastic bucket, take about a cup out, put it in a uh, brown paper sack, and take it up to your county extension office. Uh, Your county extension office here in our state, of course, is connected with the University of Georgia, and that extension office will send it to UGA, to their soil labs, and really within about a week, maybe sooner, uh, you'll get an email, and you'll have your soil report, and you'll find out what that pH is. And if you find that your pH is too low, if it's below 6.5, lavender is going to want to be a little sweeter than that. So you'll probably need to take the recommendations from the University of Georgia and add some lime to the soil. Of course, lime is going to take an acidic soil and sweeten it a bit. And as long as you can get to that 6.5 range, you will be in good shape. Now, other than taking that soil sample and thinking about the pH when it comes to soil... And planting lavender, we have to remember that excellent drainage is critical. Excellent drainage is critical. Good drainage is what we need in that site. Of course, some areas in our landscapes, since we mainly have a clay-based soil, they will stay fairly wet. Maybe more wet than just moist. Okay, And we need to cultivate our lavender patch our lavender planting space we need to soften that soil the best that we can this is is really uh, coming down to the planting perspective we need to soften the soil bust up the large particles of clay of course if you find there are rocks in your soil don't worry about taking them out sometimes we would do that for other plants but remember 
lavender can handle sandy, rocky, dry, poor soil. But regardless, we do want to soften the soil because when we do plant, uh, we want to make sure the soil makes good contact with the root system so that the lavender doesn't dry out. Uh, But I would also encourage you to add some kind of coarse compost. You know, most of the time we want to add compost to our soil that is well-rotted and small in size, small particles. But when it comes to planting a a bed of lavender, it's okay if it's a bit larger. We still want it to be well-rotted, but if there's larger particles, larger pieces of whatever that compost was made out of, then it is okay to incorporate that into the soil, much like the rocky soil uh, that you'd find in in, uh, the Mediterranean. We want to have this very coarse textured soil. So really, the larger the particle, the better. But of course, we're not talking about using an entire limb or branch of a tree. We still need it to be chipped up to some degree. But uh, when you are working with that soil, you probably want to cultivate a mound. Okay, So adding some nice compost, coarse textured compost, and mounding that space up. That way, you can plant your lavender on these tall mounds We call that planting proud. Anytime we plant higher than the existing soil grade, we want to mound these up, put the plants on top of that mound, and that way their roots will stay a little drier. Most of the time, we don't want plants to stay dry, but with lavender, again, drainage is essential. And when we have wet soils in the south, planting proud on tall mounds is critical. If you can mound up to 18 inches, that's wonderful. 24 inches, that's great. If you can at least get it eight inches, that mound eight inches above the ground, then you should find that the lavender will really enjoy that. So when it comes to soil, we really can't just pop them in anywhere. We've got to cultivate that space. We want poor soil. We don't usually want poor soil, but for lavender, we need poor soil. Dry, rocky, sandy. Don't worry about adding sand to your soil, but definitely that coarse compost. When we get back, we'll talk about what kind of sun conditions and should we mulch lavender or not. We'll see you shortly. Nathan Wilson's new Southern Garden Show is on the air. Your host, Nathan Wilson, with Lanier Nursery and Gardens in Flowery Branch, Georgia, is excited about providing information every gardener and non-gardener, homeowner, and apartment dweller can use. From vegetables to containers and compost to pruning shears, Nathan Wilson's new Southern Garden Show is here for you. Now here's Nathan. So gang, today on New Southern Garden, we are answering your questions, and today's question comes from Carrie in North Georgia, who's been trying to grow lavender, but unsuccessfully. So we want to help Carrie out and maybe help you out or get you some ideas if you've never thought about growing lavender. Of course, lavender is generally an herb. We call it an herb because it's been used for medicinal purposes. It's used in sachets and potpourris. And, of course, it dries very well. The flower of the lavender dries well. And you can use it in dry arrangements. So there's a lot of reasons why we might grow lavender. It's a beautiful plant. It's got a fine texture, really tiny leaves. And, of course, it's got those tall spikes of purple, uh, sometimes bluish. 
and sometimes white uh, flowers. So there's a wide variety. We are going to talk about some varieties before today is over because other than giving the lavender the appropriate conditions, the other critical point in growing lavender in the South is to select varieties, cultivars, that are going to do well in our climate. Of course, these plants like it hot, but they like it dry. They don't like to be in wet feet one bit, and sometimes our clay soils can be wet. And of course, we have a hot, humid climate. With that, lavender is going to need good drainage and good air circulation. So before the break, we were talking about how poor the soil that lavender needs can be. <laughs> it can be very trashy soil, if you will. The soil that most of our garden plants don't like, lavender usually will thrive in. So poor soil, dry soil, sandy soil, rocky soil. Uh, but we do need to probably change the pH a bit. We want that pH to be at least 6.5 all the way up to 8 on the pH scale. So using lime might be essential. And we do want to bust up clay, uh, soften the soil, and incorporate some very coarse compost. Because that will help for that good drainage. We need excellent drainage when it comes to lavender. So other than those things, we do need to talk about the light conditions. And I want to make a general statement here. Usually, this is general, okay? Again, doesn't apply to every situation. But generally, when you look at a plant and you observe the shape and size of its leaf, that will help you determine if that plant can go under some shade or needs to be in sun. So generally speaking, if a plant's leaves are very broad, wide, uh, take up a lot of footprint, if they're big leaves, generally those plants can grow under lower sun conditions. Because their leaves are so broad and big, it's more surface area for light to hit. And so they generally are going to be able to hang out under trees or get uh, less number of direct light. But for plants that have very thin, small leaves, a general statement again, <laughs> If a plant has thin leaves, there's not as much surface area to capture light. So they'll need to be in a situation that's a bit brighter or maybe gets more direct sun for longer periods of time. And so lavender, it, it, this works, that rule works for lavender because lavender has these very thin strap-like leaves. It reminds me a lot of rosemary, which is another Mediterranean plant with those thin, uh, very small leaves. Great for texture. Because the leaves are so small, it gives you that fine, fringy texture. But with that being said, the lavender plants that you'll be growing here in the south, they will need at least six hours of direct sunlight or more. You can't go wrong if it gets all day sun, okay? The only time you're going to go wrong is if you put lavender in the shade. Uh, under shady conditions, they usually stay a little more moist, a little more damp. And, of course, with not enough light, you will just see those poor little lavender babies just shrink back and start to die off. So be sure wherever you're going to situate your lavender plants, put it in a lot of sun again. Think about this. Those areas where nothing else grows because it's too hot, it's too dry, uh, the soil is just poor, it's just trashy soil, lavender is probably a good, 
good selection to try in those sites. Now, we don't have to worry about this so much in our area, but in areas around the nation, um, maybe even pockets of the South as we go up into the mountains, if we have a harsh winter, we may want to choose a site that has sort of natural windbreaks or up against the side of a building, a barn. Of course, lavender would look great in front of a barn if you've got one. Uh, Maybe a storage shed or something where you can have just a little protection. Those plants being located near a fence or some kind of structure, uh, maybe even on the other side of a hedge where they get a little protection from wind in the winter. Again, they're hardy plants in our zone. No problem at zone 8, at zone 7, at zone 6, at zone 5. But zone 5 is about their last zone uh, that they can thrive in. It'll get too cold in zone 4 or lower. So perfectly situated for us. And our winters, even though it's chilly and cold for us, and yes, we can get into freezing temperatures, they can still handle that. But if you're in a site that tends to stay cold and wet in winter, that is going to be a tough site to uh, try lavender in. But when you are trying to locate a great spot for lavender to grow, we need to think about the exposure, not just to sun, but the direction that it faces. If you have a south or southwest or western slope, and I say slope because that will help with the drainage problem. Uh, If it's a flat area, water may settle there. But Here in North Georgia, we've got plenty of slopes. So locate a slope that faces southwest, somewhere near southwest, and that is an ideal situation. I always tell people that the best place to plant plants around your house is on the east side of the house. Because the east side, unless there's a tree line, it'll get morning sun and afternoon shade. And of course, many of our plants struggle in a lot of sun. But the eastern side is usually prime real estate because it's a little cooler, a little shadier, uh, and, and protected over winter. However, south and western exposures are going to be the most brutal. You're going to have that hot afternoon sun as it's setting all year long, beating down on these evergreen lavenders. But guess what? They don't care. So, hostas and hydrangeas may not need to be planted on the southwest side of your house, put those on the east. But when it comes to lavender, you can put it on that brutal side of the house, the scorching hot sun in the afternoon. They will not bat an eye because, again, we do want to make sure uh, that they get sort of on the dry side. We don't want them staying wet. And so the eastern side of the house tends to be dry. Sorry, the western or southern side of the house tends to be on the drier side because it's extremely brutal conditions. So that is basically where you want to position. We want six hours of sun or more, six to eight plus, no problem, all day sun, and the most brutal condition that you can give it on the southwestern side of a slope is wonderful. And of course, if you have a harsh winter, just to summarize, be sure to give it a little protection. Now, we talked about planting in the soil. Now that we've sided the soil, uh, we know where's a good spot to grow the lavender. I'll just mention when we create a bed for lavender, we want to soften the soil, add that coarse compost, and of course, mound it up if we can. Mounds above the existing soil grade are wonderful for lavender because it allows them to get on the drier side of the soil. Now, most of the time after we plant, 
I always recommend you to mulch. But when it comes to lavender, using wood mulches is not just not required, it's really not recommended. And I know this is difficult, it's tough, because we're always wanting to build our soils, we're wanting to uh, moderate the soil temperature and the soil moisture and keep weeds suppressed, and mulch does a great job of all those things and also adding organic matter to our soil, but when it comes to lavender, again, it wants to be abused. To think of it as treating plants nicely or not nicely, lavender is one that does not need to be treated nicely. So, when you've planted, you can leave that, I hate to say, leave the soil exposed uh, because we don't want erosion to occur. So, if anything, just lightly cover with maybe some pine straw or wheat straw, just so, I know wheat straw is not beautiful, but again, we don't want the mulch layer to be very thick because mulching, particularly with the wood chips, it's going to help trap water and moisture around the plant, around the plant's roots. And the critical thing with lavender is no wet feet. You could use stone, though. Using a thin layer of stone pebbles, that'll give you that classic Mediterranean look anyways. And the stone will actually heat up. That's why I don't like to use stone normally, because stone gets hot. It absorbs all of the sun's heat, and so it's going to keep maybe the soil uh, somewhat, it'll be shaded, but it's not going to be necessarily cool. And all of that heat can radiate back up to the foliage of your lavender. And again, lavender is going to love that. Now, when we grow lavender commercially, what folks will do is use a weed fabric. They will lay that out on the ground and puncture holes into the fabric and plant their lavender in those holes so that the weed fabric is laid on top. There's nothing covering it. But of course, being a black fabric or black plastic in many cases or some kind of poly product, that is going to heat up so well uh, that it's going to keep the plants warmer and keep the soil warmer. But of course, the weed fabric will keep weeds at bay. The only area when you're using weed fabric uh, that is a weed problem, is the hole that you had to cut into the fabric to get the plant in the ground. So you could consider that, but of course, it's not that pretty. It works commercially because uh, it's a production process, but in the garden, we want it to look pretty. So if you're going to mulch your lavender plants, use a thin layer of maybe some leaves or pine straw or wheat straw uh, or a thin layer of stone. And I just think that the stone and the lavender look great together. It's great textures, great colors with those beautiful purple flowers and the ashy foliage. And of course, it kind of gives you that Mediterranean feel. Now, when it comes to watering these plants, you want to be sure that you are not watering them much. Once a lavender plant is established, you will probably never have to water it. But for young plants, you want to water young plants maybe every four to five days if there's no rainfall. And this is critical. Remember, I always tell you before you water to uh, be sure to monitor before you moisturize. You want to check the soil. Make sure the soil is not too wet because if you're not monitoring your soil before you add water, you may be adding too much water. And with lavender, it's very easy to do that. Very easy to add too much water. So for young plants, you essentially may water once a week if there's no rainfall. If we get rainfall, and you've just planted, don't worry about it. 
Come back in four to five days, maybe a week, and you can check it there. You actually, with lavender, want to make sure that the soil is dry between waterings. We don't want to keep the ground wet because that can encourage those terrible root rots. Now, as far as spacing these plants uh, when you are planting, commercially they space them from 2 feet to 26 inches apart. Just right under 3 feet, uh, between 2 and 3 feet is appropriate. It's ideal to have a little space between your lavender plants because we do want good air circulation. We do not want our lavender plants to be crowded planted so close that moisture is trapped between the plants because that too can be critical. They don't want the humidity. We've got to fight it. So the best way to fight it is to space them out so there's a little gap between the two plants and uh, make sure wind can blow between. Well, when we get back from this break, folks, we're going to talk about some varieties that are wonderful for the South. Hang on tight. Hey gang, it's Nathan. Thanks so much for listening to the new Southern Garden Podcast. Of course, I love providing you with horticultural information to get you growing and growing well. But sometimes you need more than just information. You need plants. So I'd love for you to join me at Lanier Nursery and Gardens in Flowery Branch, Georgia, where you can find me throughout the week. But you can find more than just me, of course. (laughs) At Lanier Nursery and Gardens, you can browse through our wide selection of ornamental trees, glorious shrubs, and colorful perennials and annuals. And I want to thank all our listeners who have already made the trek to Lanier Nursery. It's been a pleasure to meet you and hear your gardening stories. We've got a wonderful crew of folks who are just itching to help you grow your best garden ever. So check out LanierNurseryGardens.com for more information and be sure to like us on Facebook and Instagram. Now let's get growing together. Today on New Southern Garden, we are talking about lavender, growing lavender in the South. It can be a little difficult. It can be a bit aggravating. You may find that you don't have success at first, but eventually, especially if you follow these steps that we've talked about today, uh, you you should find success. At some point, you will find an area in your landscape that really works well for lavender. Now, I've really been talking about growing lavender in the ground today, but remember, you can grow lavender in a pot. As a matter of fact, growing lavender in a pot is probably more successful than growing it in the ground here in the South because containers, uh, no matter how large they are, of course, the larger containers tend to retain more moisture. But if you're using a soil mix that drains well, maybe has a good bit of perlite in it, the white stuff, right, in your potting mix, that perlite is an expanded rock that helps with drainage but also does help to hold on to some water. It's a dual-purpose product, but if you've got uh, maybe some... sandy mix or even a rocky mix Uh, the most brutal mix of potting soil that you can find is wonderful probably the cheapest stuff as long as it doesn't hold on to too much moisture remember lavender does not need a lot of fertility it does not need high nutrition and it doesn't mind the poor soil it actually would prefer it strange girl isn't she strange girl so anyhow Be sure to use lavender in a container, but place it on a sunny site. Don't put it under a shady porch. Put it out by the pool. Put it out by the open air patio or deck, the back deck that faces west or south. Very hot decks is a wonderful place for potted lavender. And again, don't be too nice to her. Don't give her too much water. Let that container go out 
go to the dry side before you water it. Most of plants, most of the plants we put in containers, we would want to keep a moist soil, which means we may have to water every day in the summer, not for lavender. You're probably going to only water every few days, but be sure to check it and make sure that it's not too wet before you add more water. So if you keep in mind that lavender likes it hot, that's not a problem here in the South, Keep in mind, lavender doesn't like it humid. We've got to fight that. We need good air circulation. Doesn't like wet feet. Needs good drainage. So we've talked through the steps of growing these plants in the ground. But one of the things that's going to help determine your success or failure is going to be choosing some of the best varieties that work well in the South. I'm going to talk about a few varieties uh, that have been around for a long time. They've withstood the test of time. But then there are new varieties that have been developed in more recent days uh, that are showing to be even more helpful. So let's start with one of the old-fashioned ones called Munstead. Munstead actually is an English... Oh, I should back up before we get into specifics. (laughs) I forgot. There are two main groups of lavender, or uh, there are several species, but I like to group them into two main groups. You have the English type... Uh, or French type, and then you've got the Spanish type. The English and the French types are very similar as far as the flower that they present. They all have the tall spike with clusters of those sort of uh, tubular, uh, not really tubular, they flare out on the tips, but regardless, they have clusters of small flowers up and down the stem. But the Spanish lavender is a very unique lavender in its blossom. It has this cluster of very small flowers that aren't super showy. They're colorful, but not showy. And it sort of looks like a little cylinder on top of the flower stem. But right on top of this cylinder are what we call little bunny ears because they look like that. They have these very pronounced elongated petals that sometimes could be an inch, some varieties and with a robust plant could be taller, but these very broad bunny ear-like petals sit right on top. If you want to see a picture of that, be sure to Google uh, the Spanish lavenders and you will be surprised. It looks completely different than the lavender we normally see in photographs and just general topics about lavender. The Spanish lavender, though, is a wonderful group of plants because they can handle our conditions maybe a little better than the English and the French types. They don't mind a little bit more moisture, uh, not that they need it, but they can handle it. So back to some of these English varieties. We've got the Munstead, which was actually um, released or introduced, we should say, over a hundred years ago in the 19-teens by a lady named Gertrude Jekyll, who is an English gardener and author and writer and a landscape designer. Well, anyhow, she released this one uh, many years ago. It's withstood the test of time. It's on the larger side. It's only about 24 inches tall, but gets about 30 inches wide. But it's got that classic lavender flower that we all look for. Then we've got the Provence. And I hope I'm saying that right. It's the third time I've said it today. But, of course, that refers to Provence, France. Province? Provence? <laughs> I don't know. That's a southern way of saying it. But this would be essentially like a French uh, variety. And it's a hybrid um, of two different species of lavender. It's about a 24 by 24 foot, 24 inch by 24 inch plant, but again, has that, um, that classic lavender flower, and it's been around a long time. So again, tried and true and been tested. Now, in recent days, more recent days, 
there's a great um, lavender called Phenomenal. Now, Phenomenal has a super high bloom count. So you get a lot of buds on one uh, spike. But it's been wonderful for the South. It's becoming a standard in the nursery trade. We see a lot of it. We, we sell a lot of this uh, Phenomenal because it is essentially resistant to the humidity problems we have. So these plants, the Phenomenal, might be able to be grown a little closer um, and they can handle the humidity that we are always bound to get. But that plant is about, it's a, it's a bit on the bigger side for lavender, about 32 inches tall and 32 inches wide, so they make this nice kind of shrubby look. And remember, we sort of treat perennials as if they are, I mean, we sort of treat lavender as if they are perennials, and they are, but they're almost what we call a sub-shrub. So when it comes to classifying them, they get woody, but they do return year after year. Now, a couple of new ones you need to check out are Ventro, the Ventro series. There's one that's called Forte Blue. It's probably the most classic looking uh, blossom for lavender, but it handles the wet and cold soil that we tend to have over winter. Kind of on the small side, 18 inches tall, 12 inches wide. Now, there's another new one called Aromatica the Aromatico series. There's one called Blue that's classic for that uh, lavender look, but it's a prolific bloomer, and it's usually one of the earliest to bloom. 20 inches tall and 12 inches wide, so more uh, vertical than it is wide. Now, when we get to the Spanish varieties, remember, the Spanish ones are the ones with those bunny ears on top. You've got to look that up. It's really a cool flower. But there's the tried-and-true Anouk. A-N-O-U-K, Anouk Spanish Lavender. It is sort of t uh, wider than it is tall, 24 inches wide, maybe 18 inches tall. And then lastly, the Haviland Forte is a relatively new one. Haviland Forte, uh, there's deep purple, there's sort of a, a shade of pink. So there's all kinds of, uh, of these new varieties coming out, which, you know, we've got to test them, we've got to try them out. But regardless, when it comes to growing lavender in the South, we've got to remember the plants need excellent drainage, poor soil. They don't need to be babied. They don't need to be overwatered. Uh, they need to be planted on a mound. At if any, if you can plant them on a mound, you're going to be doing good. And then, of course, we just need to select the right varieties. And hopefully, Carrie, that helps you with your lavender problem. I hope that you get out, continue to try lavender. I'm going to try it. I'll keep you updated as we go through this journey of building this hopefully impressive lavender garden. Well, gang. Uh, for New Southern Garden and WRWH, my name is Nathan Wilson. Check us out online at NewSouthernGarden.com. I hope you stay well and grow well this weekend. Give it a go! Hey, thanks for joining us for this edition of Nathan Wilson's New Southern Garden Show. If you have a comment about today's program, you can reach out to Nathan by sending an email to grow at LanierNurseryGardens.com. Also get more information at NewSouthernGarden.com. Join us next Saturday on Local News Radio 93.9 FM and AM 1350 for Nathan Wilson's New Southern Garden Show.